0: Hello and welcome to the Dr. AJ Macon podcast. I'm Reggie. With me today is Dr. AJ Macon. He's going to share with us today advice on understanding depression as a mental health problem. Hi, doctor. Hi, Reggie. Uh, Thanks for having me. Doctor, um, from your own understanding and experience, or rather from your own uh, professional standpoint, what is depression as a mental health problem?
1: Well, Reggie, interestingly, over the years in my practice, depression particularly is probably the main thing that people come to see me with. And it's becoming more and more prevalent, given that we're in the midst of this COVID pandemic, especially here in South Africa, and I'm sure all over the world, we've seen the studies showing that depression is becoming more and more prevalent, along with other mood illnesses like uh, anxiety. And to clarify what depression is, because many of us are unaware completely what depression is, because we all get depressed at times. We all feel sad at times when we face losses, feelings of grief, losing people who are close to us, be it during this COVID time, be it because we lose our jobs. But when we suffer from depression, recognize that depression is a medical condition. Characterize by feelings of extreme sadness and dejection. It's not just a feeling of sadness that we all experience at times, but something that's completely more so. It's more than a low mood or a feeling of sadness. It's a serious medical condition, and it involves having physical and psychological symptoms. It's also very important to know that depression can be treated. And there's a huge, vast range of effective and safe treatment approaches. It doesn't have to be medical only. In fact, I'll just, just go skim over the top of the various, I'll use the word, spectrums of treatment. One is at a biological level, where we may intervene with medication, for example. The second is at a mental or psychological level, where certain coping skills, logical and rational approaches to how to shift your life or deal with things are dealt with. The third one will argue is social and emotional. Family, friends, your social support group. All those things help. And the fourth area, which sometimes in the past was probably more controversial bit, but is becoming more acceptable, is your spiritual path. Mm -hmm. And that can also be embracing your purpose, your calling, your finding of meaning in your life. Because as much as you have the physical, the mental, and emotional, one needs more. And that's sometimes the most intangible area, which is the most difficult area to deal with. But yet, getting back to depression, it's something that's far more common than we uh, know it to be. Nearly 5 to 10 p- people of, in a community at a given time mm-hmm. need help in terms of depression. Mm-hmm. People, as much as 8 to 20% of people carry the risk of developing depression mm-hmm. uh, during their lifetime, we find that depression generally will present. Now we're seeing it far more younger. Mm-hmm. As much as we might have said previously, the average was around 20 to 40 years old. I've seen it mu- uh, much more younger. And maybe because uh, the practice I have is surrounded by a few retirement villages, mm-hmm. we see people right up to into the eighties mm. struggling with depression. It occurs across the board. It does not differentiate between genders, ages, and backgrounds. It affects people of all cultures throughout the world. Yes, we may interpret depression differently. We may see it differently. Different cultures might see it more as physical symptoms. I have a headache. I have mm-hmm. a stomach ache. Mm-hmm. As a way of indicating something is not right at, at a mental or emotional level. And I have to reiterate that race or ethnicity does not influence the prevalence of depression.
0: Mm-hmm. To what extent is, because you mentioned quite a lot of things, uh, Yeah. severe feeling of sadness and severe feeling of maybe loneliness and other feelings, to what extent are those, um, I mean, how can one tell whether they are, because nowadays people use this word, I'm depressed, when they're just um, sad. But how do you therefore tell whether um, the sadness one is feeling is that, of depression, so that maybe the wedding, uh, the way people mention this, can be uh, properly articulated and interventions can be given.
1: So the, uh, there's various checklists. In fact, if you go into Google and you do a depression scale, as they may call it, there's various scales that you can utilize, which are available for free on Google. Uh, you don't have to pay for any of these particular uh, rating scales. Mm-hmm. But there are checklists you can use, and these checklists will involve different what we'll call criteria Mm -hmm. as to what depression is, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And these will be characterized by having a depressed mood, Mm -hmm. loss of interest and pleasure in the things that you generally enjoyed. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's a specific psychiatric word called anhedonia, where Mm -hmm. things that you previously enjoyed you find are not as enjoyable as they used to be, be it uh, driving your car, uh, watching videos, Mm -hmm. All those things that probably gave you pleasure in the past. Low energy and decreased activity is something that we see. Poor concentration and memory. Low self-esteem and confidence. Patients will argue about, or not argue about, but describe feeling guilty Uh and unworthy. And the thought pattern will be generally pessimistic. Uh Patients will describe ideas of Uh self-harm, disturbed sleep or loss of appetite. Uh And even more so, suicidal ideation and something i'd like to share that i thought was quite interesting they they did a study of patients with uh, a depressed mood Mm -hmm. in terms of how they spoke in terms of their language and one of the things they found was that the words they generally used were words like depressed sad lonely anxious Mm -hmm. overwhelmed overburdened so they use these words more so than The positive words. So Mm -hmm. these would be words that would inculcate their life. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, they have a very pessimistic attitude Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to these things improving. Mm -hmm. So they would say it will be completely bad. It will always be negative. Mm -hmm. It's going to be absolutely hopeless. So these were words that the the people who did the study described as absolutisms, just describing an overwhelming uh, sense of guilt. It can never get better. Uh It's always this way. Uh So we just, in our minds, literally mentally block ourselves from improving. Uh And the third theme in terms of language, which I found probably the most interesting, Uh was there were certain words that were more prevalent Uh in depressed people. And interestingly, it was the words me, myself, and I. So it was, I will never get better. I will always be sad. Mm -hmm. These things, bad things, always happen to me. So what has happened, it seems, is that at some level, our identity has been completely broken down Mm -hmm. and has become completely negated. So all sense of self, your confidence, your self-esteem, has been completely Disintegrated. You have completely uh, dis- decompensated. You feel there's no way out of your situation. Mm-hmm. And no matter, sometimes sadly, when people may, as we do, ask for advice or people offer advice, nothing seems to work because the whole sense of who you are has been completely broken down or mm-hmm. destroyed mm-hmm. by the time patients come see me.
0: It seems as though, as you're saying, that people will therefore remove themselves from the social groups as they articulate that as me, I will never... Um, it's um, something that I find interesting that maybe this might be something that one can explain um, a pandemic like COVID has done to people due to the whole isolation and all that. And this comes back to the question that I wanted to ask, the causes of depression. What causes depression?
1: The COVID-19 pandemic, in terms of creating the environment we're in, where we're in lockdown, mm. definitely contributes. Mm. Because we are more so especially if you live on your own or in a, uh, or in isolation to some extent with a small support circle, mm-hmm. you, you're left more so with your own thoughts. And being left with your own thoughts, just creates this absolute, can be generally is absolutely negative. Because it's great if you've got some project to do, something to drive towards. But as the saying goes, you know, the idle mind becomes the devil's playground. When you're left to your own devices, generally it's, can be quite negative. You know? One way I think of illustrating that is is like take a young child and the, let them go free in your in your a uh, uh, room with your plush furniture uh, in your house in that particular room. It'll be interesting what happens to that room mm, mm, after an mm, hour. Or mm, so mm. if you've asked them to play, mm, all right? Mm, mm. We see the anarchy that reigns. Mm-hmm. And as much as we, not children, when we left to our own devices and the mind is left to its own devices, there's a saying uh, I read about the mind. The mind is like a ghost. If you don't keep that ghost busy, it will turn around and devour you. And over the years, when I share it in groups, it's interesting to see people nod in affirmation that that's what happens to the mind. Uh It just goes into that absolute negative space. So that's where COVID contributes to the cause. And it's startling to hear patients describe getting up in the morning during this COVID lockdown, Uh switching on their laptops, getting to work and and closing off their laptops and uh-huh. going to bed. It might sound normal, but what if you go into detail, they'll tell you, they get up in the morning, they open the laptops which have been lying in their bed all night next to them,
0: uh-huh.
1: typing away, they'll order Uber Eats from their cell phone. In fact, that's their only journey to the front door. Uh-huh. Come back, partake of their meals in uh-huh. bed. Yes, they'll have bathroom breaks and stuff, but beyond that, it's, Hygiene goes out the window. Changing clothes goes out the window. Uh, Lifestyle just becomes about working and lying in bed. And they can lie in bed for a day, two days at a time. Producing what they need to sometimes from a work perspective. Mm -hmm. But other than that, they're not living. And this is the extent to which patients will describe how they may live during this COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. And when you have these negative thoughts and feelings going through you, it just spirals into this. Negative vortex mm-hmm. and takes you into this far more negative space. Mm-hmm. And then you are less likely to reach out to people being in that space as well mm-hmm. because it seems like too much effort. Mm. People will describe that they feel uncomfortable to contact or make uh, a connection with others during that space because their own negative self image makes them feel not good enough to connect with others. And the mind is a powerful instrument, may I say that. Mm -hmm. It thinks things that you never, if you want to think something new, that's where it emanates from. Mm -hmm. But it also can take you into thinking something very dark Mm -hmm. and very negative. Mm -hmm. And that's where depression comes in. The idea of
0: lockdown, and I'm I'm asking this because there were um, professionals that were kind of, Um, invited for infection controls and um, i think that necessitated recommendation pertaining lockdown which level should people go to what extent did they consult psychiatrists because post-covid then mental health or depression is going to be the new covid although we have saved people from the virus the covid pandemic
1: warranted these physical boundaries should i say on our lives Mm to prevent the spread of the illness all doctors were when this happened in around in South Africa in March 2020 mm uh maybe some of us may not want to admit it, but we're kind of clueless as to this illness. Mm. We mm. imposed this three week lockdown and in hindsight we may say, was it good, was it not good? But it was necessary because no one knew how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can remember in my complex even the, the kids' park was completely closed off. They had put a, a red and white stripe uh, boundary mm. around the jungle gym. Mm. And uh this was in the first three weeks and no one dared walk into the park. It's you know, it was mm. Mm. Like something out of a movie, and now even though then the numbers went up, and we, we went into uh, lesser stages of lockdown, mm. kids are playing on the park. You know, adults are playing. I guess you know. Mm. At some point, we they discuss even uh, COVID fatigue, where people are just challenged by this. There's two elements to COVID fatigue because you can get COVID fatigue as a result of having COVID, which mm-hmm. is people are just tired of having to deal with those restrictions put on them. Mm. So it was necessary at that stage, but it also highlighted how we may have been putting Band-Aids on our lives in terms of, and I'm using the word Band-Aid figuratively, Mm. of having a social circle that we met with superficially and got by, because it made us aware of how lonely we were, Mm. how... uh, Blind, we were sometimes on our social circles. Mm. So it highlighted mental issues at the same time, revealed them more so. Mm. Because stuff that you kind of utilize to get through the day, because alcohol became far more difficult to get used, a uh, whole of, for example. And a lot of us use alcohol as a way of escaping our problems. If it wasn't as easily available, it, those problems come more so to the fore. If you use alcohol to numb yourself to sleep at night, for example, mm. uh, if you don't have access to it, you struggle to sleep. Mm-hmm. And when you struggle to sleep, and you really want to sleep, your mind just goes helter skelter. You know, these are the challenges that we've seen as a result of it. It's 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 interesting. You might forecast that uh, uh, mental illness might be the next COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, we are past twenty twenty, and we've the World Health Organization has said that depression will become, you know, the second most common illness um, by the year 2020. Mm. And I think all this has done, the, the COVID has done is probably act as a catalyst to us seeing more mental illness. And mm. it's, this the harsh, sad reality is that as much as we're seeing more, mm. patients also present in a far more brutal fashion. Self-harm is something... Uh, we see more so attempts in terms of suicide. Mm. Also, is something far more prevalent, and people not having people around them to support them through this crisis. Uh, sometimes makes them act on what they're
0: thinking or feeling, even though it is negative. Companies are entertaining the idea of working from home, and with a large number of people having been retrained, it seems that's going to be a blow on on the prevalence of or potential prevalence of depression. Um, because uh, to me or my understanding is that it's returning people to those spaces again and at the same time there's economical issues with regard to finding jobs and actually securing that how much um, do these companies do take these kind of things into consideration i understand someone is running a company they're trying to focus on profit and all that Mm. but it seems that um that's going to create another wave on its own. You're asking in terms of people working from home? Mm-hmm.
1: It's a good question because uh, you'll see a whole bank of people who are quite keen to work from home. Mm. All right? Um, someone who helps helps me at home in terms of the in terms of a helper at home, mm. uh, she usually works at a friend's house on a Saturday. Mm. So I asked her, aren't you going through? He says, no, he's not at home. I said, where is he? Completely in another city, right, mm. with his folks. And he's mm. even though he works for a corporate year in Johannesburg, mm. he's quite comfortable now at his folks mm. uh, out of Johannesburg. And he was there for about six months to a year, you know, last year. So, like, wow, you know, that mm. was good for some people. Mm-hmm. And if you have your support circle, your support, you know, your nuclear family maybe at nowadays around you, mm. you kind of make do, mm. you know, you, you're okay. However, for those people who are living alone, as much as some people tell me, I like my time to myself, and I think it's sometimes a double-edged sword when people tell me that they say they like their time to themselves, but I'm just wondering to what extent uh, it's actually negative even though you you like it to yourself. One. Two is it may not necessarily be good because a lot of people may not like their their time to themselves. Mm. Because... You uh, you can only stimulate your brain so much, and whatever you think goes. Mm. There's no other thinking of an alternative source available. Mm. So whether you decide you're going to have pasta that evening, that's the only thing that your mind thinks of. Mm. There's not a diverse or a contradictory choice mm. that's mm. provided. So uh, working at home during this COVID time, yes, became a necessity. Mm. And reading a few forecasters as to the future of this, they don't necessarily see it as being something that may be taken up completely. It's fine if you. For some of us, it's it's a, we, we love it because if you're uh, what you call it, your travelling time is an hour, two hours to work the mm-hmm. workplace. You know, it's like a bonus to be spending three, four hours rather utilising that time more effectively. Mm-hmm. But we're going to miss out on uh, various elements of the, uh, what the workplace brought. Mm. The human interaction. Uh-huh. We're at a work level, but also at a social level. Uh-huh. Bouncing off ideas. Uh-huh. Uh, brainstorming in, a, in another way. Because we all, when we meet as groups, are in some ways brainstorming. Uh-huh. Even when we have our Zoom meetings, which that's what's happening, uh-huh. that human element is missing. Uh-huh. Because they speak of communication as being <coughs> excuse me far more... The unwritten language, uh-huh. rather than the, the what we might actually uh-huh. verbally communicate. Uh-huh. So all these things human beings want, and we may see post-COVID people wanting to return back to the workspace and engaging. Yes, it leads to tension and conflict, but those are things we, we human beings are social animals. Uh-huh. We want that engagement. That's where the growth comes in. Uh-huh. Where pre- people create the tension the 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 conflict uh, rather than sitting in isolation at home Mm -hmm. it's great if you utilize that time quite effectively to introspect to reflect to contemplate that's also but many of us struggle and are sometimes afraid to go into that deep deep, dark space so it's going to be interesting post-covid to see where we go and i do foresee that we many of us will want to return back to the workspace mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to have that human engagement which is in many ways I see it as essential to our survival what
0: what might be other causes um, um, apart from from the pandemic other causes of depression
1: yeah so, Yes, obviously, during this time, the pandemic has brought all these things to the fore. But there's many other factors that cause it. And there's a combination of, I would say, physical and psychological causes, right, that cause these, as we call it, chemical changes in the brain. I'll go through some of the physical factors. I work here at a at an acute hospital where we see a lot of medical illnesses. Mm. And medical illnesses in themselves and their treatment sometimes mm. do contribute to uh, depression we have inherited traits genetically we can be more predisposed to depression or for that matter anxiety or for that matter the whole spectrum of mental illnesses and uh, chemical changes also contribute substances drugs and alcohol as much as they may make us feel good for one moment even let me use the word euphoric and ecstatic the very next moment we faced with a downer and then we, we need the drug again to sustain that high. And that in itself causes irritation and anxiety because we may not have that drug at our disposal. And that leads to a whole host of other illnesses. I have patients describing using a drug to help them sleep, but they still come to me because they can't sleep because as much as it helps them, it does help in the short term, but in the long term, it has other effects. Mm-hmm. And then they need more of that particular drug to help them sleep, at the same time contributing to the mental negative mental state and for example depression Mm. other psychological factors life stresses we all face with circumstances Mm -hmm. situations that are beyond our control negative experiences high anxiety for example also causes depression Mm -hmm. so there's tons of factors it's interesting over the years I, I see it as two themes that come across that patients will describe in terms of life in general that brought them through the door and generally it will be if I had to put it the two themes will be relationships mm. and the other is the work space mm. and work in itself is a relationship because mm-hmm. it's not about the walls mm-hmm. or the desk you're sitting at it's the mm-hmm. people that surround you mm-hmm. 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 so those are the I would say I see, in my practice I see the majority of people presenting with are the external factors that have contributed I do see the medical illnesses contributing Uh or I would use another one that contributes is natural disasters. Uh But it's interesting over the years to see people present more so that the external factors Uh or situations and circumstances is not as they would like it to be. Uh 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 And, Given they have no power to change it, it
0: overwhelms them and overburdens them. With that being the case, what what is the prevalence of depression in South Africa and in the world in general? As I said earlier, you know, nearly five to ten percent of
1: people in a community at any given time are in need of help for depression. As much as eight to twenty percent of people carry the risk of developing depression during their lifetime, hmm. and this is across the board. Yes, I'm sure the studies are showing that we're seeing a higher prevalence during the covid but one also has to consider maybe awareness you know we speak mm. of mental health awareness has brought this matter more to the to the fore previously you were probably told you just got to hang in there and deal with it people are more accepting of it given the stigma attached mm. you know another maybe uh statistic and it's not a good statistic is that given what we see at its most severe depression can lead to suicide mm. and this the studies Indicate up to eight hundred fifty thousand people lose their lives on an annual basis, oh. and mm. across cultures, across countries, it doesn't matter. We see this phenomena, so it is becoming more prevalent. Oh. You know, uh, when we collate the studies post this pandemic, it'll be interesting to see what how this impacted on us mentally and emotionally, and even in practice, we do see people struggling reaching out more so mm. and presenting with far more severe cases of depression mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how does one tell I mean with the prevalence of depression um becoming almost um I mean with depression actually the statistics of depression increasing how does then one tell if they are depressed or people around them actually suffers from depression. How do they tell? What, are, what should they look out for? Uh,
1: so along the lines of that, as I may have said, in terms of the criteria, the people around you will appear chronically sad or depressed. That means not just for a moment or two, but just generally more so sad and depressed as a, a dis, uh, they would lose interest in the things that they enjoyed. Losing pleasure in just everyday normal activities mm-hmm. there would be a loss of appetite you'll actually see sometimes a drop in the weight poor sleep mm-hmm. waking up early and being still tired during the day even though they weren't able to sleep tired all the time trouble concentrating slowing down feeling restless or agitated you will get a sense of worthlessness feeling guilty they may even describe life is not worth living there's literally a change in their entire demeanor. We'll see a shift in their mood, their temperament, yeah. the way they speak, how they view things. And this is important to note and and recognize and always know there is help available. Mm. One of the things I'm going to say just generally, is there's always is hope. We must never lose hope. Mm. We can't pull through mm. no matter what as much as it sounds completely illogical and irrational, And this is what depression does, it makes us, the mind when we depress searches for an answer to the problem, but we can't find that answer. It's just completely beyond our logic and rationality. The mind thinks over time, it's in a complete storm, searching for some way out. But recognize it's not logical and rational. It kind of has to be driven by some kind of like faith or conviction in something more. But because we are so attuned to logic and rationality and because we can't see a way out, it's not like turn left, turn right, get into the foyer, you'll aim out, you'll get to the front door.
0: Mm.
1: It's something completely bizarre Mm. beyond our thinking. Mm. But that demands that we just take the step to get better. Just do whatever it is. If it doesn't work, try something different. Just do something, but mm-hmm. always work, always persevere. And that's where in the resilience comes. Mm-hmm. I know I'm digressing, but I think it's very important to recognize
0: there's always, always, always hope. Mm-hmm. Doctor, thank you so much for, for, for the words of advice and wisdom therein. And thank you for coming through.
1: Thank you, Reggie, and speak to you soon.